I mean, I would have worked for free, to be honest with you. It's really all about, because nobody in my family was an attorney. And so I didn't have the benefit of having grown up in a law office or spent time in a law office prior to that. And I knew that that's something that would, you know, be invaluable to me later. So it wasn't so much, I mean, the money was nice getting paid, but it was really more just the opportunity to, to see how a practice works from the inside. And I tell people every day, I, I learned a thousand times more working for those two guys than I did in law school. Did you ever feel like what you learned in law school didn't prepare you for the world of running a law practice? Law school didn't teach us how to start our practices the right way so that we could scale them into a thriving business. We didn't learn how to make sure that our businesses would meet our financial goals and provide the type of lifestyle we deserve. After 10 years, I was fed up with struggling in my practice and decided to begin a journey to scaling a successful practice that would actually allow me to finally live the life I've always dreamed of. I invite you to listen in on the conversations I'm having with some of the most successful solo and small firm practitioners, along with leading business entrepreneurs, and share how I am implementing what I am learning, all with the goal of helping you take control of your practice and your life. This is The Law Entrepreneur. Welcome, Law Entrepreneurs, to Episode 13 with Ben Stevens. My name is Neil Tyron, and I'm your host today, as always, on The Law Entrepreneur. Today, we're speaking with Ben Stevens, who's a family law attorney out of Spartansburg, South Carolina. I'm not sure whether Ben is more widely known as the preeminent family law attorney in Spartanburg or as the Mac Lovin attorney who writes the blog, The Mac Lawyer. Um, that's actually where I first met Ben, was at a conference uh, for Mac Lovin uh, lawyers, those who used Macs and other Apple products. So Ben is a proud graduate of the um, Clemson University, where he has a Bachelor of Science in Financial Management, as well as a minor in Accounting. He also then subsequently went to law school at the University of South Carolina, and he and his lovely wife, Jen, uh, along with an associate, man, the Family Law Center there in Spartanburg. So today we're going to hear about how Ben went from talking his way into an internship during law school to working in a larger law firm and then exiting that law firm and starting his own practice and all the trials and tribulations in between. So without further ado, my friend Ben Stevens. Hey there, Ben Stevens. Welcome to The Law Entrepreneur. Thanks, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Sure. Ben, as you know, is a family law attorney from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Ben, um, tell us a little bit about your law practice. So what I do is I handle complex family law cases, which include things like high-asset divorces and contested child custody cases, basically. But that's that's all we do is family law, and we usually end up dealing with the, the stuff that nobody else wants to mess with a lot of times. Now, did you make a conscious decision to address the high net worth and high conflict clients? That's a great question. It, it sort of just evolved that way. I mean, I, I never thought when I went to law school that family law would be what I would spend you know, my, my, my practice doing. I thought I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer, and then I, I worked for a, a clerk for a personal injury firm when I was in school. 
and I like doing that. And so the first few years I practiced, I had a, I went to work for a general practice here in town, did a little bit of everything. And I did about a third family, about a third criminal, and about a third personal injury. And then over the next several years, I, I left that firm after a year, opened my own firm. So I, I'm up on 20 years now having my own practice. But over the years, it just sort of morphed more towards I enjoyed doing the, the uh, family law cases more and enjoyed doing the personal injury and criminal cases less. And I stopped doing criminal cases altogether. And then the family, I mean, the uh, personal injury cases just sort of, you know, trickled on down and stopped. And I've done nothing but family probably for 15 plus years. And as far as focusing on the cases that I focus on, that's sort of been a result of just, you know, honing my skills, getting a reputation for, you know, being good at handling those types of cases. My undergraduate degree was in financial management with a minor in accounting. And so numbers and I speak the same language. And so I've, you know, I've gotten a lot of referrals from other attorneys across the country and across the state and so forth for those types of cases and had good success with those. And then as far as the contested custody cases, that's one of those things either people like or they don't like. There's several excellent attorney friends of mine that, that just refuse to do those. You know, I don't mind, at, the, at, at least at this stage of my career, I still don't mind going to court and, and, and trying a case like that. So, you know, we've always got a fair number of those going on as well. So it's, it's partially conscious effort and partially just so I think the evolution of a practice as it matures over that length of time. It kind of follows the uh, same path that I took. I originally started out uh, in personal injury with a law firm whose partner, uh, Tom Simeon, was our initial guest here on The Law Entrepreneur. And then when I opened my own practice, I started doing family law as well because I wanted to broaden my litigation skills. So it's interesting that you know, when you talk about contested custody cases, you know a lot of people will ask you, "Well, why do you want to? Why do you want to do those?" But you know, it works both ways, and I'm sure you you can agree that when you can look at yourself in the mirror and know that you've helped somebody sort out a difficult problem, as painful as this might be, you know that you've contributed something positive. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, the nice thing about family law, and one of the things that I guess is, has drawn me to it, is that every case is so different. I mean, every every marital relationship and 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 every family unit has a unique set of issues with unique personalities. And and the fact is, I just get bored easily. You know, when I when I was growing up, that they hadn't uh, come up with ADHD as a diagnosis yet, but I'm sure I would have been a, been the poster child for it. <laughs> and so, you know. I look at my job, people, you know, some people ask me what I do and I tell them I solve puzzles for a living and they kind of look at me funny and I say, well, you know, I mean, really, when you boil it down, every family law case is is a certain type of puzzle. Now, there, there are some similarities, but again, they're all they're all different. Criminal cases and personal injury cases to, and, and workers' comp and other types of legal work tend to be a lot more repetitive than family law. Every day here is different. Every day is an adventure. Some are more fun than others, but you know, it's never boring. And so that's been the one thing that sort of kept me into it for so long and, and keeps my juices flowing to, you know, come in and, and do this every day is that I enjoy it because it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's never like the day before. And in family law, it, 
is truly unique in the sense that every everybody, as you said, everybody's family situation is different. Everybody's family construct is different, and it's. Just, I just think it's very interesting. The, the law itself is very interesting. Whereas I wasn't finding that to be the case in other other of my practice areas. I thought, for instance, in personal injury. Now, admittedly, I limited myself to automobile accidents, but I thought in the end, you know, there's only so many car accidents that one can do. Whereas there's an infinite number of variations of family law matters. There are, and and the nice thing is, you know, I actually get to use my undergraduate degree a little bit, which is rare for you know a lot of attorneys. Because, you know, if I'm dealing with a, you know, I'm representing a doctor in a divorce or, or his, his or her spouse, we're dealing with valuations of the practice. And, you know, there are a lot of numbers that go into that, it, determining income streams and lots of that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it's nice to know that I didn't waste four years. Exactly. And, and to be able to actually fall back on some of those things now. And family law is a, is a, is a crowded uh, practice area, at least up where, where I live. What's it like in, in your neck of the woods? Spartanburg is, you know, it's the fifth uh, largest city in, in South Carolina. And I, I'm doing air quotes when I say largest because it's not large by any means compared to, to a lot of other areas. So what we find in my town, for instance, there are three or four firms that do nothing but family law. There are, you know, a handful of other firms that have attorneys that, that have a, a you know, like my practice used to be, where they do a good bit of family law, but not exclusively. So we deal with a lot of the same people, you know, over and over again on our cases here. Now, we do we do practice statewide, and so we'll handle cases, you know, as far away as, as Charleston or Columbia or Greenville, which is not, not too far down the road. Do a lot of cases over in Rock Hill. So we, we don't mind traveling, and, you know, we've fortunately for us, we've gotten to the point that, because we do all, all three of our attorneys here do a lot of speaking for the South Carolina bar that, that we do have a certain amount of notoriety. And so we, we, you know, we, we get brought in as the hired guns from out of town a lot of time to do cases in other parts of the state, which is, which is always fun going to different courthouses and, and seeing different, seeing different faces. So it, it's, you know, again, it's, it's never boring. Sure. Well, we, we've, we've kind of got off on the path here, talking about family law in the practice area. Tell me a little bit about what motivated you originally to become a solo. Well, it was it was partially out of necessity and, and partially out of desire. I, you know, again, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, so there's no question about that. I had always assumed I would probably end up in my own firm at some point. I came to work here in it, I'd never been to, I've been to Spartanburg twice before I started working here, so I didn't not from the area originally, but the firm that hired me was a, a, a well-established older firm. And it just, you know, over time it became apparent that it, it, it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, that you know, they like me and I like them, but just through circumstances that arose, I decided that it would be better for me to hang out a shingle. And so you know, I did, and I was fortunate that all but one of my clients left with me, which they were a little less enthused about than I was, but, you know, business is business. And so, you know, so I started off my, the first day in my in my new firm with, you know, a full caseload. 
and and things have you know sort of taken off from there. When you, how long were you at the firm prior to starting your own solo practice? Almost a year. I mean, it was just. I mean, it was within like two weeks of being a year. And then there was no restrictions on you walking with your client base. No, that they, they. I mean, there there was no. You know, there was no written employment agreement, and under our ethical rules in, in South Carolina, you know, basically I just had to let the clients know I'm leaving. You've got a choice to stay or go. You know, I couldn't really sway them one way or the other. It was more objective. And like I said, all but, you know, all but one came. So, but I, you know, but that, that was good. I mean, and that's just, that's sort of the way things work. I mean, that's, I don't say it's a normal course of business down here, but when, when attorneys leave firms, that's the way it happens more often than not down here. Well, I think that's probably true all, all around, and I think the lesson for those considering going into solo practice is to make sure that they understand what their ethical rules are in their jurisdiction and what, if any, obligation they have to the employer that they are departing from. Sure, and and that and that's you know, in my situation, it was really scary, and and the the fear was not necessarily. That I couldn't do the job, but the fear was I'm, I'm living in this strange town now that I've only lived in for 10 months that, you know, I'm, I'm 25. I guess I was 26 at that time. I've been here for you know a little less than a year. I don't really know all that many people, not that many people know me. And so, you know, it's kind of venturing off into the great unknown. You know, I, I, I didn't really doubt, I mean, as young lawyers tend to not do, I didn't doubt my abilities. I didn't know what I didn't know at that point. Right. Candidly, in, in retrospect, but so it wasn't that. But it was just sort of I'm in this you know, I'm in this strange area. If I'd gone back to my hometown or even back to where I went to law school and had been clerking, you know, that would have been a, a much more comfortable situation. But I liked being here. I liked Spartanburg, and you know, so I, I did it. And it, and like I said, fortunately, it worked out. It worked out well. But you know, I talk about it not being a good fit. Just to give you an example, and granted, it, this was 1995 that I started working there. There were no computers in the office. They they had some very very nice, uh, I think IBM Selectric typewriters that they used, <laughs> but no computers. You know, the curly curly fax paper, the paper rolodex that all the, the they used for conflicts checks, and so you know, it was kind of like you know, it's kind of like something now off of off of Mad Men looking back but but that you know again that that firm is still around and and their attorneys are you know they're still practicing and doing well and and you know it's all's well that ends well so yeah and 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 there's a, a number of ways to practice law you just have to find the one that fits your personality and your lifestyle and and, and your goals exactly and speaking of, of of that when the fact that you obviously were concerned when you left the, the firm about leaping into solo practice, not knowing at that point whether any of your clients would follow you to your new firm. Did you make any conscious decisions about how you were going to start the practice in terms of facilities or staffing or operations that address that uncertainty? Yeah, I, I did. I did get a, a good bit of planning, and that's you know again, that's where fortunately the you know having had that undergraduate base came into play. Because when I went to law school, for instance, you know there was no discussion about how to run your practice. It was about the law, but not the business side of the law. And that's 
you know, in my opinion, that's one of the main areas that, you know, law schools are still sort of lagging behind. I know that, I know they're doing better in that. Um, and, and Jenny and Jonathan practice with me. They did have some classes when, when they graduated several years ago about that. But, but I, you know, I had written several business plans in, in undergraduate and knew, you know, a lot of the things that came in were involved in that. And so when I started out, I mean, the first day I, I left that firm on Friday and opened my office on Monday morning and I had, you know, phones and I mean, I had everything there ready to go. I was fortunate that my, my legal assistant at the old firm left, I think, a week, 10 days after I did and came with me. And she'd been there like 20 years. She'd been there you know, longer than the, the wallpaper. But she she followed me and. And that was reassuring in a lot of ways because she brought a lot of, you know, just practical knowledge as far as, you know, the stuff that the details that attorneys don't really know, you know, how, what do you send a certificate of service with and what cover sheets go with what forms and those types of things. But also, you know, sort of the lay of the land for this, this strange town that I found myself living in. So that was a, a, a huge blessing having her you know, take that, take that leap with me. And she stayed with me for, gosh, more than, more than a decade, maybe 12 years, maybe a little longer than that. So that, that made it an easier transition too. Sure. Now you you said that as an undergrad, you'd written several business plans when you were plotting your escape, as it were, did you actually put pen to paper, so to speak, and write a business plan for your new firm? I did not. You're asking. You're asking questions now. You're peeling layers back. No, I, I didn't. And you know, w- similarly, I don't write down a budget. I mean, I, I, that's one of those things. I'm just able to do sort of in my head and, and keep all that straight, which I realize. You know, and I, for the, those listening, I don't recommend that. But you know, I knew I, I, I had a very clear vision of what I wanted to do, what I wanted my practice to look like, where physically I wanted to be in town, you know, based off of, and, and part of that to a large degree was based off the firm that I clerked for in Columbia. Cause I, of the three years I was in law school, I worked for them for two and a half. And, and as luck would have it, they had just gone out on their own right before I basically talked them into hiring me. And, and, and that was the way I found them. I, I, I went through the, uh, new firm announcements in the bar news. And I sent them a letter and said, Hey, you know, if you need a clerk, I'd, I'd, I'd love to come talk to you. And they agreed to talk with me. And, and, you know, I started working there that day, but so I'd, I'd seen what they had gone through building their practice and they'd been practicing about 10 years or so at the time they, they left their old firm. So I had that information to draw on from the, from the practical side to add with the theoretical. So I, I, I never really felt the need to sit down and and write out a formal business plan. You know, obviously that writing it out would be the, the the ideal way to do it. Just like having a written budget is a lot smarter than than you know the way I do it. But but those things I just you know it's kind of second nature to me. And, and the only way I can describe it is like one of those days when you drive home and you pull in your driveway and realize you didn't really pay attention to how you got home. That's the way it is with with me and numbers a lot of times and working with things like it's almost like a second language and I can keep track of them and and do a lot of math on the fly and and you know just have a comfort level with that that has always 
has always worked out and served me well. And well, maybe, that, that's, maybe a, that's luck. Yeah, that's a blessing that you know not every person contemplating a solo practice uh, yeah. uh, has. But I want to I want to just again circle back to a little nugget there that you dropped, and I don't want to overlook it. When you were looking for an internship, the way you, if I understood you correctly, the way way you went about looking for a firm to hire you was to look at the new firm announcements in your bar association newsletter. Is that correct? Yes, I think I think it was the South Carolina Bar News, but yeah, they, they had a, a new firm announcement, and so I sent. A letter and a resume to you know all the new firms in 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 Columbia where I was going to law school, and said, "Hey, congratulations on opening your firm. You know, I'm a I'm a just finished my first semester, first year, whatever it was in law school, looking for a clerk position. You know, not looking to make a ton of money. I'm looking for experience, hard worker, like to come talk with you and sort of talk my way in the door. And then once I got in, you know, I mean, I, it. I mean, I would work for free to be honest with you. It's really all about because nobody in my family was an attorney. And so I didn't have the benefit of having grown up in a law office or spent time in a law office prior to that. And I knew that that's something that would you know, be invaluable to me later. So it wasn't so much, that, I mean, the money was nice getting paid, but it was really more just the opportunity to, to see how a practice works from the inside. And I tell people every day, I, I learned a thousand times more working for those two guys than I did in law school. Yeah. And um, and I mean, I, every time I see them, I, I, to this day, I thank them for that opportunity they gave me because it's really enabled me to, to, you know, whatever level of success I've achieved, I would attribute it largely to what I was able to learn from watching them. And they were very generous about what, you know, what they let me do. You know, there's a lot of things they let me do that a lot of firms would not let, you know, a young, inexperienced law clerk do. I got to go to court with them an unbelievable amount of time and, and pick their brains about things. And I mean, it really gave me a leg up and, and helped me from an experience standpoint. I mean, that would have taken years for me to acquire on my own that, that they were generous enough to, 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 to share with me. Well, there's a lot of lessons to be learned by that, particularly for our listeners who are currently in law school, but also for, for those who are contemplating hiring an intern. I think that the the way you were treated ideally is what we'd like to see happen in in lots of law practices because it's it's kind of how back in the old days that that's how you became a lawyer. You you were interned with a law firm and you were allowed to do as much as you possibly were able to handle. So I think that's a a, a great lesson. Let me ask you this when when you did open a lot of this came second nature to you because you 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 had this experience and you had your undergrad background what was your biggest challenge you know i thought my biggest challenge would be acquiring new cases you know that's always the fear is you know particularly if you're you're a solo is where's the next case going to come from and how am i going to meet my financial obligations and and, and all that you know, and, and I guess, I mean, that probably was the challenge. I mean, there's there's nothing looking back that, that really stands out to me as being much more difficult than anything else. I mean, it was, you know, I, I wasn't making a ton of money because this was the, you know, the the market was flooded with new attorneys in, in 1995. And so, you know, I got started at a, 
embarrassingly low rate of pay. And then when I opened my own firm, I, you know, that dipped way down for the first year so I could build the firm up. So, you know, th- there were lots of struggles and challenges just in, in getting the firm off the ground, but there wasn't anything that, that I remember now as being, you know, this was a lot harder than the other. I remember, you know, back at that time, almost all the marketing for all law firms was yellow page based. And I, you know, I do remember some sticker shock when, when I talked with them about, you know, what it was going to cost to have an ad in there and, 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 and working on that. But, but it's just, you know, it's really under trying to, trying to understand what you want your practice to look like. And the earlier you can start modeling that, the better. I mean, if I had it to do over again, you know, it was fun. I mean, I tried a, a, a civil case and got a million dollar verdict, couldn't collect it, but we got a nice big verdict. And, you know, and I, I, I lost one criminal case ever that, you know, really shouldn't have lost that one. One of you, I might have gotten lucky in winning. So those things were fun. And, and that experience was, was nice. But, you know, if I had to do over again, I would have hopefully realized sooner that, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm best at. This is where I need to focus and not have spent so much time in, on those other areas of the law and, and, you know, honed my practice a little bit more on, on the family law side. Now, part that's easier to do in some geographic areas than other. Again, I'm in a, in a, you know, what I would call a small city. So particularly for, for new firms and, and younger attorneys, there's some benefit to being more diverse and, and getting more clients in the door to, to, to pay the bills and keep the lights on. But, you know, if, if I had to do it over again, that would be the one thing I would say if I, if I could have realized that earlier and focused a little bit more, you know, on developing specific skills more related to family law rather than just general attorney-type skills. And I think that's a common thread that we hear from a lot of attorneys who have been kind enough to come on uh, this podcast that they wish they had focused on their ultimate practice area earlier rather than later. It's a catch-22 because when you, when, you, when you go into, into practice for your, yourself initially, as you said, you're concerned about keeping the lights on. And sometimes you have to make those choices about taking cases in areas where you may, may not have a strong desire to practice in the future, but you need, you need to have clients in the door and start building up a, a reputation as, as, as a good attorney. So, it it it's a it's a difficult question to address, and and the sooner that you can resolve that, I think the the more successful one would be. Well, the the other the other twist on that is, you know, I think it takes a while to realize what you don't know. I mean, what what I've found, and and I'm just getting old and, and grumpy, I think. But you know, a lot of times when you're dealing with younger lawyers um, that are just out of school, they're more difficult to deal with perhaps than after they've been practicing five or ten years because you know, maybe they think they know a little more than they do. And so, I mean, that's, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, that's not the ideal time to be deciding, you know, the specific path for the rest of your life as far as narrowing it down to one practice area. So, you know, yeah, it would have been nice to do that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's not easy to do for a lot of reasons. I mean, you mentioned the financial, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. But then the other part of it is, you know, unless you're just starting a little bit later in life and you've got some more life experience, I mean, that, that, that's a benefit as well. But, you know, again, I, I've been doing this 21 years and, and there's rarely, 
a, a day or a week that goes by that I don't learn something new still. And, you know, that's just made me look back and realize that, you know, I, like I said, how much I didn't know when I thought I knew a lot more than I did. Yeah. And I, I think the, the standard advice is to define your practice narrow enough that you become the expert in that era area by definition. But the problem is, I'll give my own history as a as an example. I didn't know what I didn't, what I liked and what I didn't like. I I went through law school really believing that I was going to be a prosecutor, mm-hmm. and did all my internships and 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 all of that in, uh, in criminal prosecution. And right. the moment I got out of law school and had to make that choice, I went, eh, you know, I kind of like to work downtown a little bit, experience mm-hmm. that. And so I went with a PI firm and then after, because I wanted to litigate. And then after I did that for a little while, I went out on my own. I went, you know what? I'm a little tired of going to court. <laughs> so yeah. now, now, uh, now I've, I'm transitioning to trust in estates and estate planning. So it, it, it's, um, it is a journey. It is a journey. Tell us a little bit about your office itself, your staffing, your your reliance on technology, because I know that plays a big part of your success and 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 your entrepreneurial skills of building your business. Sure. So we've got three attorneys. Uh, we normally have three staff. We're we've got one opening right now. We're trying to build, but it's myself. My wife practices with me, and then we have one associate. As I said, we only do family law. We, we all handle a little bit. There's a little bit of diversity there. I told you what I do. Jenny's primary focus in her practice is she uh, represents, protects the interests of children in, in custody cases by working as a guardian ad litem. She also does a lot of mediation in family court cases. So she's in family law, but in a little bit different area of it. My associate, Jonathan, he's sort of a hybrid. He's He's a good bit of an old school associate where he works with me hand in hand on my cases and he's got some of his own too. So that's the way the, the, the caseload, so so to speak, is divided up. Did you, did did your wife start the practice with you or did she come on board a little later on? No, she, uh, she actually had her own practice down in Charleston for, for a few years before we got together. And then she merged her practice with mine and moved up here. So we've been practicing together since 2012, which is, we merged our practices that summer, and we were we got married that fall. So congratulations! Yeah, thanks. So, uh, but but she only did family law before. I mean, her whole career—that's all she's done—is family law. So, so, and then we've got we've got a, a discovery paralegal because obviously we we deal with a lot of discovery issues in in family law. So we've got one person whose primary focus is that, and then we've got another paralegal that does more traditional paralegal work. And then we're in the process of trying to find a receptionist right now. So we outsource some work. We've got a, a my CPA has a, a person from his office that comes over a couple of days a week and does our bookkeeping and accounting functions so that, you know, we don't, I don't have to spend time doing that anymore, even though I enjoyed it. And you know, from a from a technology standpoint, I mean, we've got obviously a lot of technology integrated into our um, into our practice. We're all Mac based, which I you know I guess is is not a big shock um, since I'm the Mac lawyer. But but we we've been Mac based for a long time. I, I think since 2004 2005. And you know, we're when it comes to technology, we're always trying out new things, and so. 
you know, we're, we're constantly, that's the one, probably the area of greatest change in our firm is that we're always testing out new apps, new programs, new, you know, whatever, to see if there's, you know, better, more efficient ways to do things. And so that's sort of, for better, for worse, always in a little bit of a state of flux. We started using a, a new web-based program last week here in South Carolina that does um, asset debt distribution and child support calculations and different things. It's a relatively new program, but we've talked with the developers and like it. So we've brought that into our, you know, arsenal of, of things that we use here. Do you use a case management system? We do. We, we, we've been with Rocket Matters since their launch. We're, we are uh, proud to say we're client number two with them, with, with client number one being the law firm that actually did their incorporation and helped them get their, their business set up. But we've been with them from, from day one. Well, interestingly, I'm, I'm interviewing Larry Port, the CEO of Rocket Matter, later on this afternoon. So well, isn't that coincidental? Yeah, he, he is he is much smarter than I am, so don't tell him I said that. But he, uh, yeah, Larry's a great guy. I've known Larry. In fact, I've the the first time Larry and I talked, he he called me one day at the office out of the blue and said, "I'd like to pick your brain about something." And I said, "Well, I'm getting ready to go." I forgot where I was going. I said, "I'm getting ready to be in the car for about 45 minutes." So sure. So as I'm driving, I had a convertible at that time. As I'm driving wherever I was going, you know, he's telling me I'm my report and I, you know, I'm starting this this uh, software thing. And here's what we're doing, and you know, what what are your frustrations with what you're using now? What what would you like to see done better? And so, you know, we had this long talk. This is before it was called something else at that point, but before it was before Rocket Matter was even Rocket Matter. And so I said, sure, I'll be glad to take a look at it when you get a you know a version that's workable. And so. We've been with them ever since, and and that's the 21 years I've been practicing. I've probably used at least 10 different case management systems. I've been with them by far longer than than anything else I've I've ever used. And you know, I, I like to tell people I think that's a pretty good testament to them that they've been able to you know stay on the the edge to uh, of innovation and features to to keep us that long because. You know, I'm, patience is not my strong suit, and and we're pretty demanding as far as you know what we expect and out of software. And if we don't like something, we'll change. I mean, we've we've just changed within the last few months from pages to Word over my objections, but the staff wanted to do that, and so I said, fine, I'll I'll bite use, the bullet. I'll I'll wash my hands after I finish typing on on Word every day. That's okay. But yeah, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll we'll change. You know, there's really nothing that we won't consider changing. But that's that one program is really it saved us so much time. We just don't, just from a billing standpoint, the thing that I like the best about it, and what really convinced me to switch was the program I was using before. It would take me about a day and a half every month to get my invoices out. The first time I ran them in Rocket Matter with their bulk billing, I got them out in about an hour and a half. From one month to the next, I mean, it was that drastic of a change, and I said, "All right, I'm in." Yeah, yeah. You, that, that'll keep you around for a long time. Listen, Ben, um, we're wrapping up here on our half hour, and I probably could chat with you for about another three hours here. I want to spend some time talking with you about more about your technology uh, and, and how that you create efficiencies within your office that allow you to operate as a solo and. And I also like to talk to you uh, at some point uh, about your role in the larger com- 
legal community. I know you speak a lot. You uh, go to a lot of conferences, and I think uh, our listeners would benefit greatly from hearing that from you, too. So will you agree to come back on the show at some point in time? I would love to come back, and, and, and I, I do want to thank you uh, for producing this pro- this podcast. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very selective. I've got, I think, 10 podcasts total that I listen to, and that probably includes Serial, which I haven't listened to since the first season. So maybe I've got nine podcasts that I listen to regularly. And yours is is right at the top of the list. Uh, you and, and and Lee Rosen's Force Discourse; those are my two that I stay current on. And I've been I've been really impressed with the quality of guests and, and and production and everything you've done so far. So I, you know, keep up the good work. I would I would love to come back and and I, I look forward to the new episodes when they come out. Just listening to them myself as a as a consumer of them. So. You're doing a great job. You're way too kind, Ben Stevens, way too kind. Thanks ever so much for being with us here on The Law Entrepreneur, and we're sure to have you back pretty shortly. Well, there you have it, fellow law entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening and being a part of today's program. The utmost compliment you could pay me is to go over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave a strong five-star review if you think the podcast and what we're trying to do here is worthwhile. Feel free to share the link to the podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers. I would be very appreciative if you did. So until next time, thanks again for listening to The Law Entrepreneur.